I invite you to open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. And we are going to look at a word there that is so important in the New Testament. It's the word dynamite. Now, I, I grew up watching Good Times. Anybody watch that? Yeah. And what would he say? We'd clap and say what? Dynamite! You know? Dynamite. I used to love that. The dynamite! And, uh, but when we think of dynamite in our context, what do we think about? Something that does what? Blows things up. You heard about the guy that used to go deer hunting. And he stopped using guns and bows. He decided to use dynamite. You know why? He got more bang for his buck. If you know anyone that's looking for a job, there is a dynamite factory here in Colorado Springs that is hiring. They say business is booming. No? Give it up? <laughs> Boy, these, these cadets here are ready to kill me. They're ready to jump on me. It's a rough crowd, I tell you that much. But when we think about dynamite, we think about things that blow things up. God's dynamite brings things together. It gives things life. It changes hearts. It's amazing the word dunamis in the Greek, how it, it's not that God destroys things. God brings life to things. And people look for this. They want to see God's power. They're always asking, so show me your powerful God. I want to, I want to see that powerful God. But they're looking in all the wrong places. They're, they're looking for in the physical realm. They want to they wanna see these miracles. They wanna, if there's a God, show me. Make him move this, this thing over here. Or make him do this. Or let him raise this guy from the dead. Or do something like that. And they, they're looking for all physical things to see if there really is a God. I remember um, during COVID, the, one of my good friends, he's a pastor. He, he wound up, only in his 30s, ended up in a hospital, an ICU, about to die from COVID. Had tubes everywhere. The, the church went and they prayed in front of the hospital because you couldn't go in to see him. And they were praying for him. Each day, somebody else from the church would go and just pray an hour for him or two hours and just pray over him. And he came out of the hospital. Praise God. Everyone said, the power of God. Yes. Well, that's great. But they failed to consider that that same person is going to get sick one day and die. So if we just look to the physical realm, we've missed it. We see the power of God in the spiritual realm. We see the power of God changing hearts and lives changing because they have come to Jesus Christ. We see the power of God redeeming people, but we don't get excited about that. In fact, Jesus had to rebuke somebody. Do you remember when he, he healed that guy that was laying in the bed and he said to him, which is easier? The people are like, oh yeah. He goes, which is easier to say to him, rise up and walk or your sins are forgiven? We think it's rise up and walk when really it's the sins are forgiven. I want you to look at here in verse 7. And somebody says, well, how can I get this power of God? How can I experience God's power in the spiritual realm? 
And we're going to notice in this passage in Philippians 3, verses 7 to 11, a few ways that we can experience this spiritual power in our lives. The, the first way we're going to see is that we need to trade religion for relationship. Watch this. Paul says in verse 7, But whatever things were gained to me, he's talking about his upbringing. He was born in a good Jewish home. He followed the Jewish rules. He was a good Jewish person. He had zeal for God. He was very religious and followed all the rituals he needed to follow. He was trained in Judaism. He had that zeal. And then when it came to obeying the law, he, he, was, he was blameless, the Bible says. But notice what it says here in, in the verse. All these things that were gained to me, all the things that I trusted in, the religious things that I trusted in to give me a right relationship with God. I'm here to tell you what religion makes us think about. Two things. We think about, am I good enough? And we think about, have I done enough? I'll never forget when I visited my father in a hospital and he was dying. And I was in a hospital and, and, and a nun got on the, on the elevator. And I asked her, I said, so... Tell me, how do I get to heaven? How can I get to heaven one day? And the first words out of her mouth were, how good are you? I said, if it's up to that, I'm in trouble. We never know how good is a good enough. When have we done enough? And religion leaves us thinking about that. Am I good enough? Am I, have I done enough? But look what Paul says. All those things that I trusted in that were, that were gained to me that I thought helped my relationship with God. Those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Now watch this, verse 8. He says, more than that, I count all things to be loss in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Here's what he's saying. He's saying that unless we understand that Jesus Christ, a relationship with him, is superior to a religion, we're never going to leave the religion. Here's what he's saying. We have to understand that knowing Jesus Christ is superior to anything on this earth. I give people this, this, this illustration. I'm from New York City. Amen? We got a few. Don't mess with us. We got a few. In the, uh, don't mess with us. We got some here. You mess with us, we'll get you. There's one thing that comes out of New York that is absolutely beautiful, other than I-95. There's something that comes out of New York that is beautiful. Are you ready for this? New York what? Starts with a P. Pizza. There is nothing like it. Now, if you go to New York Pizza over here, the Colorado New York Pizza, that's a, I don't know who opened up that. I'm going to find them, and I'm going to send my uncle after him, and he's going to get whacked. I mean, that is a fake New York place. That is not New York pizza. But yet he calls it New York pizza. The goal of that guy, the call it New York pizza. You go to Domino's, you get Brooklyn sliced pizza. I'm here to tell you, that's not Brooklyn. All right? I don't know what Brooklyn they're talking Probably Brooklyn, Kansas. I don't know which Brooklyn they're talking about. It is not Brooklyn, New York. But they tell you it's Brooklyn pizza. I have yet to find something that is as good as that pizza. Now, I went to Chicago. I don't want to pick on you guys for a moment from Chicago. They talk about, yeah, you got to get your Chicago pizza. You know what I mean? The Chicago pizza. You know, everything about pizza. You know, doubles. You know, you know and they, they get this. I went to Chicago. I had the pizza. It's like that thick. How do you even eat that? Can't even get your mouth around it. And it's nasty. 
I'm ready to throw up after. I mean, this is the pizza I've been waiting for my whole... I mean, this is the... You got to have Chicago. Get out of here with Chicago pizza. I didn't like the Chicago pizza. Then we went to Italy. Oh, man. Mamma mia. And we ended up in this place. We're on our honeymoon. And we ended up in Naples. And we're in this place. And I mean, it was a dump of a place. And you, you see this thing and it says pizza. So we get this pizza. I would be paying like a buck. I forget how much it was. It was so cheap, too. We were like... The best pizza in the world. Now you know why God loves Italians, amen? And they know what they're doing. I mean, a melt in your mouth. No cheese on it. You don't need cheese in Italy. You don't need... Uh, you know, I mean, unbelievable. I, had a little I forget what it was. Oh, man, I mean, unbelievable. This is it. This is it. Do you know what Paul's saying? When it comes to religion, it's nothing compared to Jesus. This is it. In fact, look what he calls all the things that he trusted in before. He says, I count him as lost in all things for the surpassing knowledge of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Watch this in verse 8. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but what? Rubbish. That's an interesting Greek word. It's the word for manure. Now, I don't want to be too crass here. He, looking at his life, saying all the things that I've trusted in compared to trusting in who Jesus is, is nothing but dog doo-doo. It's nothing. It's garbage. It's rubbish. It is worthless. It cannot even compare to knowing Jesus Christ. All my life I thought I was gaining a relationship with Him through doing religious works. And then I realized that it's not about that, but it's about a relationship with Jesus. And now I look at what I've done my whole life, and I look at it and I say, Wow, that's manure. I don't, nothing. It's rubbish compared to this. Watch what he says here. He says, He counts them but rubbish, so what? That he may gain Christ. Here's, here's what I fear. People try to earn relationships with God. They come once a week to earn a relationship with God. Sometimes they come once a year to earn a relationship with God. We can never earn a relationship with God. We have to put our trust in what He has done alone for us. Amen. Notice what it says here in verse 9. So that I may be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own. That's religion. Not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law. That's good works. That's trying to earn our relationship with God. He says, I don't want that relationship. I don't, I don't want a relationship where i got to earn it from God. Here's what I want. I want that which is through faith in who? In Christ. It's not what I can do but it's what Jesus Christ has done for me on the cross. Yes. And somebody is saved when they put their faith alone in Christ alone for salvation. He says, it's not, I don't want a righteousness that comes from me. I need a righteousness that's outside of me because I will never add up. So I need the righteousness of Jesus Christ who died for me. We will never add up. How good is good enough? It's not. How good do I need to do? How much good do I need to do? It'll never be enough. But he paid it all. And when we put our faith alone in him, we have now a relationship with him, an intimate, 
personal relationship with him. We have the righteousness that doesn't come from our good works. We have a righteousness, it says here in verse 9, that comes from God on the basis of faith. So here's what I ask people. When you, uh, when you stand before God one day, where are you going to point? Are you going to point to some good work or something you've done? Or are you going to point to what Jesus has done on the cross? It's where we point that determines our faith. And when I point alone in Him, I'm telling people I have faith alone that Jesus alone died in my place and I trust in Him alone. Now look at this. Verse 10. He says, Oh, I trade all the religious stuff that I've done for a relationship with Him. In verse 10 it says here that I may do what? Know Him. I love that word know because it talks about an intimate personal relationship. It's actually used of, of the, the marriage relationship between a husband and wife. We know each other. We don't just know about each other. I think about the cadets for a moment and the minds that you guys have. I'm trying not to get jealous here. But the minds that you guys have, the things that you know, the things that you can learn and unbelievable and the bodies you have. I won't get too jealous about that. But the minds that you have, the muscles and everything, and the minds. I mean, the complete package here. Reminds me of myself, amen? But no, I'm getting around. But the complete package. But so what if we know, and I'll pick on you for a moment, so what if we know all these facts, but we really don't know the person of Jesus Christ? There are people who can tell you all kinds of things about Jesus they know about him. But do they know him? Do they have a relationship with him? An intimate, personal relationship with him. He says that I may know him. And it doesn't stop there. It's like somebody getting married and say, okay, we're married. We know each other. Lord bless you. I'll talk to you in 20 years. No. We get married and we begin to keep knowing one another. And we get to know more and more of each other. And 20 years later, she really knows me. And Katie can look at things. She can read me. I mean, it's unbelievable. How does she know those things? I'm like, she says, Jeremy, you're doing this. I'm like, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. I know you. Okay, you're right. You're right. You know me. You're going to mess with me. But here's what's amazing. We keep getting to know one another. I learn things about her now I never knew. And sometimes I think things make her happy and they don't make her happy. And so I got to be careful. I got to keep learning. And she changes. All right? <laughs> There was a time when vanilla ice cream was good. No longer, it's no longer good. She needs other stuff. And then when other stuff I put on there, strawberry. No, I didn't want strawberry. I wanted the flavor today. Well, I thought I knew you. And then it, that was last week. This is this week. God never changes, praise God. But we know him. And we get to know him more and more. Now watch this. You say, what is a life of knowing Him about? Look at verse 10. Here it is. That I may know Him and the power of what? His resurrection. You see, the resurrection has nothing to do with a past event. The resurrection has so much more than that. The resurrection has to do with the very power of God that now lives within us. The very power of God that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that's available to you and me. It is the very power, the moment that we trade religion for relationship that comes to work into our lives. 
He says, I want an intimate relationship with God, but I don't want to stop there. I want to know his power, the power of the resurrection. I want to know what it is to have a life that is being changed by God's power. Yes. Let me just tell you what Satan will tell you. Satan will tell you you can never change. You may have friends that will tell you, you'll never you're always going to be the same. You're the same person you've always been. You sin sometimes and you wonder, maybe they're right. Maybe I will never change. And you know what God says? You can change. You know why you can change? Because the power of the resurrection is available for us. You say, is this important? Well, turn with me to Ephesians. I want to show you something here. It's not up on the board, I'm sorry. But uh, go, go, go one back there. General Electric Power Company, if you have a hard time remembering Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. General Electric Power Company. It helps me remember it that way. And if you go to Ephesians chapter 1, I want to show you how important this was to the Apostle Paul that people just don't see. Look at verse 18 here. He says this, I pray, Ephesians 1 verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling and are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now watch this, verse 19. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? Now what power is he talking about? Look at this in verse 19. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. Verse 20, there it is. Which he brought about in who? In Christ, when he raised them from the dead. Paul says this, I am praying that the Ephesian believers, that the eyes of their heart would open up and see that they have the power to change and to be all that God wants them to be. What a beautiful prayer. He doesn't stop there. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. He's praying again. Verse 14, he's bowing his knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. Look at verse 16. And here's his prayer. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with what? Dynamite, with power, through his spirit in the inner man. Look what Paul is worried about. The inner man would be strengthened with power and that the spirit of God would help the person be all that God wants him to be. Going back to... Philippians 3, he says this, I want to know him. I, I, I want to know him. And part of knowing him is to know that power of the resurrection that is living in us, that is helping us become holy, that is helping us to do what God wants us to do. Somebody says, I just don't see that power in my life. How can I tap into it? Are you ready? Here's it. Here's not going to be a popular answer. It's right here in the text. How can I tap into that power? Watch this here. Verse 10. That I may know him and in the power of his resurrection and in the what? The fellowship of his sufferings. There is no power without pain. And he's not saying go around and try to look to suffer. He's not saying that. Because... We don't have to look around to suffer. All we need to do is identify with Jesus Christ. 
If we want to tap into the power of God, we need to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only on Sundays, not only once a year, but everywhere we go. We let them know that we are followers of Christ. We identify with Christ. And when we do that, are you ready for what's going to happen? There's going to be some people who are going to misunderstand us. There's going to be some people that are going to patronize us, whatever. People that are going to ridicule us. All kinds of things they're going to do. But that's okay. Because we are followers of Christ. In some countries, they'll even lose their life for saying that. Not in ours. Not yet. But we're here to identify with Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, the greater the pain, the greater the fellowship with Him. The deeper the pain, the deeper the fellowship with Him. And the more the power. He says, I want to become part of that fellowship of the sufferings. Identifying with Jesus Christ. Paul mentions this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I was looking at this verse. I couldn't believe some of the things in verse 10. He says this. He's, he talks about his debilitating diseases. Did you know Paul suffered from debilitating physical diseases? He, he had the physical stuff that really nagged at him. That he prayed to God to get rid of. And God said what? No. Did you know Paul dealt with external pressure, the pressure of trying to live for Christ? Do you know that Paul dealt with misunderstandings and people hunting after his life? But Paul says this, when I am weak, then I am what? Strong. In the midst of identifying with him, there is a power there. I'm here to tell you this. At our weakest moments, God is the strongest in our lives. I'll never forget when uh, a friend was telling me how he had a son that was running away from some thieves and the thief pulled out his gun just to play around, started to shoot some bullets and ended up hitting his son in the neck. His son ended up in the hospital for a few weeks and then his son eventually died. He said, Jeremy, I have never been so close to God during that time my, my son was in the hospital and then my son died. There is deep Communion with God in the midst of our pain. There's the fellowship of the sufferings. And here's the amazing news about it. Look at this verse. The, the more that we identify with Jesus Christ, the more that we say to others, I am a follower of Christ, and the power of the resurrection is working in our lives to have that witness to other people. Notice what it says here in verse 10. We become more conformed to his death. We become more like Christ. And, and that's the ultimate goal is that the Lord wants us to become more like His Son. It reminds me of the kid that went off to school and his mother was all worried about him getting ridiculed for being a Christian. And he came back and, and she said after a semester, did anybody ridicule you for being a Christian? He goes, no, Mom, no one said anything. Really, that's amazing. Yeah, Mom, no one knew I was a Christian. We try to avoid it. But the moment we identify, we become more like Him. Now, that was my introduction. Amen. I got one more verse that I do not want you to miss before we leave here today. And I mean, this thing blew my socks off. If this wasn't good enough for what Paul just said, watch what he says here. He uses a word for resurrection that's only here in the New Testament. You should circle it. You'll only find it here. 
It's not the same word here in Philippians 3.10 for resurrection in verse 11. It's a different word for resurrection. It's a word, like I said, only used here in the New Testament. You can find it in the Old Testament used in the Septuagint in Genesis 7.4 that refers to living things. It is used outside the Bible to refer to those who were asleep but wake up. Well, that's kind of what we need this morning, huh? Because you guys have eaten too much. Who are asleep and they wake up. It's a word of use of that. Here's what he says here. Don't miss this verse. It's an amazing verse. In verse 11, he says this. Here's the whole purpose of, of knowing him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering becoming conformed to his death. This is the whole reason why. So that one day, Perhaps, somehow, he doesn't know the timing. He doesn't know the way it's going to happen. But this body that's subject to decay, that's subject to disease, that's subject to death, would one day be woken up. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, I don't want to live my life and start it well and end it bad. I want to live my life and know him and stay close to him until my body is resurrected. Because it's not how we start that matters. It's how we finish. And I've seen too many. And it breaks my heart. I've seen too many, even of my friends I've studied with who have started so much on fire to know Christ and to, to love Him and to serve Him, to end up saying, I don't even know if there's a God. <coughs> I'm here to tell you, it's not what you believed in the past that matters. It's what you believe right now. You say, oh, I grew up and I believed for 20 years, but now I don't believe in it. It's what you believe right now that matters. And Paul knows. Paul saw people Paul, Paul saw him start and end well, and he says, I don't want that to be me. I, I want to be someone who knows him and, and understands his power and has fellowship in his sufferings and becomes more like him to the very last moment of my life. Because I'm here to tell you, one thing that's amazing about the resurrection, we've got a little taste of it with the power of the resurrection in us, but one day we're going to experience an amazing resurrection of our bodies. The best is yet to come. My friends, uh, my, one of my professors' aunt died and they put a fork in her casket. And somebody came up and said, oh, I know why you did that. She loved dessert. No, that's not why we did it. We did it because the best is yet to come. And she's going to experience it. My friends, the best is yet to come. But in order for us to experience the very power of the resurrection, we need to trade religion for a relationship. We need to have a personal, intimate relationship with Him. And we need to identify with Him wherever we are. And let them say what they're going to say and do what they're going to do. But the more that we suffer those things, the better the fellowship, the deeper the fellowship we will have with Him. We are the strongest when we are the weakest. And let us, let us remember that we have that very power to help us to make it to the very last moment. Because it's not how we start that matters. It's how we finish. Yes. 
So what about you? Do you have that relationship? Do you experience that power? Do you know for sure if something happens to you today, you're going to be in the presence of God? If not, now is the moment. Now is the moment to have that relationship. And if you're living in those old sins, can you just ask God to open up the eyes of your heart to see the very power, the resurrection that is living in you? Because we have no excuse to say, I have to live in those sins. We don't. We have the power to be all that God wants us to be. So let's depend upon that and not ourselves. Let's bow in prayer. I don't know what your relationship with God is this morning. I can't see your heart. He can. I beg you, if you're here today and you're trusting in your own good works and how good you can be to get to heaven, that today would be the day that you would say, I no longer trust in those things. I want a relationship with Jesus Christ. A personal, intimate relationship with Him. I don't want the righteousness that I could produce. I want the righteousness that He produced on the cross. So I accept Him now as my Savior. I ask Him to come and save me. I realize I'm a sinner. And I believe that He died for my sins. Was buried and rose again. And I put my trust alone in Him. You can do that right where you are. Right there in your heart. And then I, I want to plead with those who, who have done that. My question to you this morning is, is your heart's desire to know Him? Do you count all things as rubbish compared to the surpassing knowledge of Christ? Don't live in the garbage. Live in the real thing. Know Him. Do you know the power of the resurrection? Is He making you more like His Son? Well, ask Him to open up the eyes of your heart to see it. He will. And depend upon Him. Say, Lord, I can't. I'm weak. But you're strong. So I lean upon you. Are you willing to identify with Him no matter where you go? This is a relationship with Him. This is not just a one day a week thing. So ask Him to help you. And then, I want to encourage you with this. It's not how we start that matters, it's how we finish. There's still ground to make up. We have not arrived. None of us have arrived. So ask the Lord to help you right here this morning to give you a passion to know Him more and to be like Him more. Father, we come before you this morning. What a wonderful, wonderful passage of Scripture. I look at Paul's life. I see, wow, somebody who tried so hard to have a relationship with you, but he was doing it through works, his own works. And then he realized, wait a minute, it's not about that. 
It's about faith in Christ alone. And you help him see that, and his life changed. And he got to see the very power of the resurrection in his life. And in the fellowship of the sufferings in his life. And becoming more like your son in his life. And he's still waiting for one day for his body to be resurrected. So God, I pray that you would help us to think about those things this Easter season. That the resurrection is not just some event in the past. The resurrection is power in the presence. Thank you for that. Change our hearts. I pray for those who feel trapped in their sin and who think they can never change. I pray that today you would help them to realize, yes, they can through your grace and power. They could never on their own without you. Thank you so much for this wonderful day and the fellowship and all the things that have been done. But we want to leave here thinking about your word. So may your words live through us and in us this week. And we ask you to get all the glory for it. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.